and right there, and here, here there we, we are. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> good evening, everybody. It's great to see you. Uh, we have a full crowd tonight. Yes, we I do. I got my lovely wife is um, uh, over there. So, if you hear any, um, you know, cat calls coming from her side, that she's she's talking to me. Oh, okay. okay. I will yeah. be confused. Not to me. She's not talking <laughs> no, to me. No, no, oh, okay. no. So it's good to have you here. Um, so we've got a big thing happening we here did. at Crosstown in just two days. I know. Yes. It's two years in the making. Did you know that? Really? Two years in the making because we postponed it from last year. So some oh, of these women bought right. tickets in 2019 for this conference that's happening this Friday, October 1st and 2nd. Right okay. Here. Now tell them who Alyssa Childress is. Alisa? Oh, see, I knew I was off, right? Uh, Alisa? Alisa Childers. Childers? Yes. Okay, so go ahead and tell them who, who she is. She so, used, used to sing in a band. Yeah, if you guys are familiar with the um, pop Christian band from the 90s, Zoe Girl. Anybody know Zoe Girl? Yeah. She was uh, one of the singers in Zoe Girl, and now she is an author, a speaker, and an apologist. An apologist? Yes. Wow. Sorry for anything. That no. Oh, man. You really did use that joke. I, I can't did. believe it. You told <laughs> me my, not to, but I did my dad here? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's going to be great. And so if somebody didn't buy tickets for it or they can't, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a stretch financially. So that's right. can we let them in anyway? Yeah, we can. Are you are you giving away tickets right now? Uh, well, I'd, I'd say, yeah, let's do okay. it. Okay. All right. If you're watching, you're listening, and you haven't bought a ticket yet, and you um, want a free ticket, then if you email me at soar at crosstownchurch.com, S-O-A-R, Okay, yeah, because S-O-R-E. Yeah, no. Yeah, that no, wouldn't work. It was it like, work. was it a physical therapy group or, you know? Yeah, or if you know someone who wants a ticket, email me, soar, S-O-A-R, at crosstownchurch.com, and we will make sure we make room. So, um, yeah, we're excited about it. It'll be Friday night, and then all day Saturday, Elisa will be sharing part of her testimony Friday night, and then she's really going to help us understand some lies that we as women particularly um, fall into believing, and she's going to help us understand why the Bible offers us a better story. So we're excited to be able to wow. present this conference, and I just have to give a shout out to you and everyone else on staff. We have a small staff, but they have all chipped in, and it is unbelievable the hours of time that everyone has put in. So thank you, and to everyone, Brian, Ricky, uh, Ben, you guys have been awesome, and all the ladies who've helped out. So. Well, I really believe if, if women are going to find the affirming authority that I think they so desperately want in America, um, that it is not going to come from an elected process, it's not going to come from um, asserting extreme feminist views. Right. Uh, I think it's going to come from the Word of God, so... Absolutely. You know. It's the only thing that we can put as a foundation. Yeah. All those other things will crack eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, okay. Well, we're excited, and uh, I've asked you to be here because we are going to be talking a little bit about apologetics. Yes. Kind of a fancy word, and also the conference is going to be about apologetics. It is. So, in your definition, you know, understanding of it. What, how, how would you define apologetics? 
It's funny that you asked because I used the word the other day and a woman turned around and said, what does that word mean? I don't know that word. Um, and to be honest, my mom is the first person that introduced me to it and she had an apologetics Bible. And I literally said, that's why I made the joke. I was like, mom, why, why you got a Bible with a bunch of apologies? I do not understand. I had no idea what apologetics meant. So if you don't know what it means, that's okay because up until a few years ago, I didn't know what it meant. But it basically just means having an answer for the questions. So mm -hmm. just being able to have a defense an answer for why you believe what you believe. Yeah. So why do I believe in Jesus? Yeah. And just because the Bible says so is fine, but it's probably not the strongest answer that you can give. And apologetics really just helps you have logical, philosophical, rational answers to questions about your faith. Right. And we tend to think, well, I don't need that. Um, but the Bible says, be ready to give an answer or an apology apologetic yeah. for the hope that lies within mm -hmm. so you know i didn't believe in god just because somebody else had hope right. i believed in god because somebody presented to me a logical coherent understanding where that hope emanates from yeah. and because of its that presentation it was like oh i would consider finding out more about it yeah. So that's what we're we're talking about tonight because it is a component of leadership. Before we go too far, let's why don't you open this up in prayer? Okay, I can do that. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you that you are sovereign and um, you are compassionate and merciful. We just um, thank you for the benefits that you have given to us, Father, and help us not forget those benefits. And we just ask tonight through the power of your Holy Spirit that you uh, come through and meet us tonight, that you speak through us, um, that we encourage one another and are encouraged. As we read your word, we just pray that you bless this time together in Jesus' Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we've been uh, looking at leadership. Yes. In Learn, Love, a Leader. We've talked about logos, pathos, and ethos. Logos is that, um, it really, it's kind of falling into that apologetic thing. It's the logical understanding of what we believe. It's, it's made up of the data and the reasoning of our faith. Mm -hmm. And there's pathos that talks about the passion of it. Right. And then the ethos is that we have a matching character that goes with it mm -hmm. because there's nothing worse than running into somebody that's passionate, knows a lot about something, but their character does not represent the values that they're trying to convey. And I think that's the biggest problem that, that not Crosstown, but Christianity has in America today. Oh, yeah. Do you know that there's, there is a dramatic rise of people leaving the church? They're not going to atheism. Um, it's not a rise in atheism, but it's the rise of the nun. Mm. Yeah, they're called the nun. I mean, there's no no affiliation. It's not wow. it's not a bunch of ladies and I was just going to say, know, can you spell that word for uh, me so we know? No, yeah, it's, it's uh, N, uh, N, N O N. Yeah, they're not affiliating <laughs> with any particular religion, so it's not like they have a, a disdain for mm. God. They just can't buy into church. Wow. Or you know whatever religion it may be. So that's why apologetics is very important today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to use the story of Nehemiah. We talked about Nehemiah's passion and all, um, how Israel was all destroyed, Jerusalem was torn down, burnt down, then there's these walls that were all torn down. Nehemiah hears about it and um, just wants to get involved. Yeah. So he, he is like 800 miles away working for the king of Babylon, I believe at the time, yeah, Artaxerxes. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but he's very passionate about 
some sort of response. Why don't you read to us out of uh, Nehemiah 2.1 about what goes on. Sure. And it came about in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. And then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? And then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it please the king and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judea and to the city of my father's tombs that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside me, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple for the wall of the city and for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. Okay. Now, I know there's a lot there, but I love the phrase where it said, how should my face not be sad? Yeah. Uh, Nehemiah couldn't hide what he believed. It was such a rich belief system that there was no hiding it. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in a, a Mexican restaurant. The staff was in a mes- Mexican restaurant. And uh, while we were there, Stacy told everybody that she hadn't been feeling good and right. uh, was feeling under the weather. And so Ben's typical response in a situation like that, well, we need to pray for you right now. And so here we are in the middle of a Mexican restaurant. And, and we'd already and, said the blessing at this yeah, point. Or so. point. As a matter of fact, we'd already finished our meal. Yeah, we were about so we were just sitting there. Yes. So uh, he said, well, I'll pray for you right now. And I immediately was kind of like, well, well, you know, we'll be back at the church in just a few minutes. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's not look like a bunch of weirdos at, at a Mexican restaurant. Um, not not the why I'm really concerned about how I people know. at a Mexican restaurant. But it really is interesting how Ben responded well, if you need prayer, and if I believe in prayer, well, then I'll pray for you right now. I don't care where I'm at. That's right. And so there we were, right in the middle of Agave. And he reached over and grabbed my hand and prayed yeah. for me. And we prayed. And uh, I feel better, by the way. Well, good. A lot better. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I love what Nehemiah said, that he had, he had this belief system that he couldn't hide. And I believe when somebody has a, a logos and a pathos, mm-hmm. that it really can't be hidden. Right. It it can't be ignored. Have you ever had somebody that you believe passionate about it and you, and somebody else offended you and they're like, "Well, I didn't know that you you were passionate about that." And whenever anybody's ever said that to me, it made me realize, "Well, the onus is on me that if I did not convey a passion mm-hmm. that so much so that I would be offended by what you said, then I must not have conveyed my passion for that subject right. in, a, in a way that, you know. Right. And so even though he's 800 miles away 
and four months removed from the situation because he spent four months praying to figure out what to do next, mm -hmm. um, it's still on what I would call the threshold of his heart. Right. You know, for some of us, what we believe is kind of like, yeah, in the room in the back, there's a, there's a spare bedroom and there's a closet. Look on the top shelf and there you'll find my belief system. That's what I believe there. Uh, but with him... It didn't matter how far away removed he was from it or how many months he was removed from it. It was still right there, tender on his heart. So that when his king brought it up, and this is an apologetic. Yeah. As soon as the king brings it up, because he's the cupbearer, he immediately is like, oh, I'm ready to give you an answer. Right. Uh, and th that's why we don't have time to, when we get in situations, to run home and open up our Bible. Or right. That's why we need to study to show ourselves a approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so that we can give an answer to people in the moment. Yes. And that it be something that so penetrates our lives uh, that no matter how far that we're removed from culture, mm -hmm. that it the truth always remains close to our hearts. Yeah. So it's kind of like what we're going through in America. Hmm. As culture is moving further and further away from God, that doesn't mean we as people who are believers should likewise move further and further away. Matter of fact, I saw a girl at the coffee, co I'm sorry, coffee shop, up at the coffee shop. Denise today. is smiling. She likes that. She, yeah, yeah. That's it. Uh, don't you insult me. Don't come in here and tell me I sound like I'm from Rhode Island. Did you know he was passionate about not wanting to be identified as from Rhode Island? Yeah. The onus is on you. I don't know that you made no, that passion. No, no I think I've made it very clear. We all know Okay, that. and Jersey, don't get me started, okay? <laughs> um, but uh, there was this girl out in front of the coffee store, the shop, and she was reading her Bible and doing her Bible study right there. Now, my initial response was, come on, you need to be doing that at home, you know, doing it out here right in front of her. But then I thought, no. Um, everybody else is doing evil in broad daylight. Then we should match their passion for evil right. with our passion for good. And if it offends you that I have my Bible in public, well, so be it. Right. You know, I mean, name a Bible story that deals with that exact same situation. Daniel. Where somebody was, yes, go Daniel? ahead. Daniel? Yeah. Okay. And so. You always put me on the spot. It makes me nervous. Uh, well, no, but I mean, that's a good, that's a good easy one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. so he was told not to pray. Yeah, but he still did it. With he his said, window, I pray anyway. With his window open, right? Wasn't his window open? Yeah, wide open, right yeah. in front of everybody. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was doing a show-off thing. Mm -hmm. It was just like he was not going to abridge his faith yep. to match culture. And I love that Nehemiah, a Jewish fella in a Babylonian kingdom, right. 800 miles away, is still Yahweh. Right. You know, he still lives Yahweh, bleeds Yahweh, and is passionate for Yahweh. I mean, that's powerful to think about because yeah. I think we don't always understand that. We think Babylon, Jerusalem, Israel, they're all like the same vicinity. But when you hear that it was 800 miles away, I mean, that's like outside of the state of South Carolina yeah. away. Yeah. So it's being in Charleston and being concerned about something that's like, you know, I don't know. what's Turks and Caicos. Hey, you, you know, know. <laughs> for those who have been there, <laughs> don't know what that's like. Uh, so ne Nehemiah... At the, at the part in the story, <laughs> do I sound bitter? Do I sound bitter? I think he's. Honey, do we need to go to Turks and Caicos? No. no. I, I, I mean, you no, know, no. I'm just saying. Um, I, I get it. I, I get it. I have to lose I, a couple I, more pounds. <laughs> so, uh, 
Nehemiah in the story, you might have thought it was kind of like, why am I being told that he's looking for letters from the governors to travel to the rivers and to get wood and timber? Yeah. Um, what those are, are uh, letters of authoritative empowerment to begin the rebuild. Yeah. And that's what apologetics is. It is authoritative empowerment to rebuild faith. Okay? Yeah. So when you go into the Word of God, you study the Word of God, you discover what you believe, and it becomes the letters that allow you to have the timber necessary to reconstruct your broken belief system. Yes, absolutely. So that's what we're talking about, is going to the Word of God to get that authoritative response to the things that have torn down our lives yeah. or, or are threatening the lives around us. It's interesting that you say that too, because um, it's common in the world of apologetics. And when Elisa is here, she'll be sharing her deconstruction story and her reconstruction story. Yeah. So they even use that language. And she talks about how her faith was torn down brick by brick and how she reconstructed constructed it through using apologetics. So yeah. it's interesting that it's so tied into this idea of Nehemiah and building that wall. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, you should tell her I told you that. I will. No. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll send her this clip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I a, will. I'll make sure. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so for Nehemiah, the wall represents a lot of things. Okay. So there's a direct story. There's a real wall. It's really broken down. It's been torched and everything. But one of the things we need to realize is that Nehemiah in Hebrew means comforter. Mm. So what we're going to see Nehemiah doing is basically the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believer. So you need to think of Jerusalem as the, uh, the life of a person. The, the, we can see that's the bride of Christ, however you want to view it, the church, right. but the people of God. And then this wall that protects that person, mm -hmm. okay, that protects the enemy from coming in and infiltrating it. And that Nehemiah is going to do the work of reconstruction for that. So for our purposes, and I think in the story, mm -hmm. especially for New Testament believers, it represents the soulish condition of Israel. Torched walls, broken down walls, um, a belief system that is in ruins. Yeah. And then the Holy Spirit comes to begin to do this work in our lives to help reconstruct that. So it represents, and, and not a lot of people don't use this phrase. It's one that I like. I got it from Ron Nash, but it, it's called a noetic structure. Yeah. Every one of us have a noetic structure. It is not, we don't just, or at least we're not supposed to just have separate data bits of belief system. Mm-hmm. You know, but rather it's supposed to be like an interconnected web of beliefs that all these beliefs connect with each other mm -hmm. and they create a web. It's called the noetic structure. It's a structure of knowing. Mm -hmm. And um, so what we're finding in Israel is that this noetic structure, the system of believing and knowing has been broken down and now it's separate isolated things they're not connected with each other and i think that's a lot of things that people are experiencing in america right now oh for sure i think over the last two years um 
we realized that maybe we had, we didn't know it was a noetic structure because I think we all have it whether or not we realize it, but it wasn't one that was solid or based on God's word or based on truth. And I think that the last two years have exposed that and we're holding all these, you know, individual things and trying to figure out how they fit together and they don't sometimes. And then you're left with walls torched down and we see that and it comes out in hopelessness and anxiety and fear and depression Mm -hmm. and divisiveness. I mean, all of that is a result of our noetic structures kind of not being able to withstand because we don't have the foundation. And the interesting thing is every one of the things I personally, I mean, this is like my personal wheelhouse is I do have a really good noetic structure and I'm very intentional about about it, and yes. I'll talk a little bit more about the work that I've done for it. So that just like with a spider web, and we have spider webs all over our house. I don't know if anybody else having those banana spiders like huge, crazy this year. Huge. Yeah, they're huge. They're all over the place, and so they have the. So I just kind of let them do what they're doing, and uh, just kind of stare at them sometimes. But it, but you don't have to hit that web in the bullseye. Right. You hit it at any point, it vibrates every part of the structure, and then the spider responds to the vibrations. Even, But it's interesting that each of those spider webs is attached to a branch up here. This one's attached to a gutter. This is down here to the railing. This, And all these key points mm-hmm. begin to create this superstructure of knowing. Yes. So whenever, I may not know exactly the answer on a philosophical idea, but when any philosophical idea hits my noetic structure, I feel the vibration of it. Like, let me just take something, for instance, and this may be a uh, sensitive one, but let me just throw out that. Let's take abortion, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I ever really came to it. I'm not a person as a Christian that came to the right wing camp. Right. Okay, so I didn't, wasn't um, pro-life Mm-hmm. because I was raised Catholic. I wasn't pro-life because I have historically voted Republican. Um, it just seemed to my noetic structure that this just doesn't seem the way to solve what could be perceived as a problem. Mm-hmm. That the God of life, the life giver, the life breather, the life resurrector, um, the value of life, the language of scripture towards children, it just... Uh, it just seems like this isn't the right solution. Now, there may be another solution. I mean, there another way right. to, to sponsor advocacy on behalf of those who are find themselves in a, different, uh, a difficult situation. I'm not minimizing. But it just doesn't seem like the, when the idea that we would terminate uh, the life of a child, right. uh, people say, well, it's just a fetus. Well, that's just Latin for child. Mm, you know, really, it's interesting. Huh. It's a desensitization yeah. of the word uh, by using the word fetus. And it's like, no, that's just Latin for child. Right. Um, that... Uh, so I, I, it's not like I woke up and I was a pro-lifer. Um, another one is like, like pornography. Mm-hmm. It's like I didn't just wake up all of a sudden and say, you know, or some preacher told me pornography was wrong. It was like the more I developed a lordship superstructure, noetic structure right. about how, you know, I learned about what Paul said about treat the uh, women in the church like sisters in Christ, husbands love your wives and cherish her, uh, learned about sexual uh, misbehavior and all that stuff, and began to put that structure together. Well, it's just like, okay, then porn comes along on the internet and it hits the web, hits this web, and it's like, well, it doesn't say anything technically about internet porn in the Bible. 
I mean, it never uses that phrase. Right. But for some reason, it doesn't jive, vibrate right with my noetic structure. Right. So it's really important that to have a noetic structure, and then everything traces back to that. And usually, in a noetic structure, there may be five, four or five corner post strands of the web that are mm -hmm. holding the whole web together. And the most important web would be the, the death and resurrection of Christ. Right. So uh, the lordship of Christ, maybe, the, you know, the different things yeah. that would make up these structures. So, um, I, I, so I think in America right now that we have people who, I believe in God. I, right. Uh, I believe in angels. Um, no, I don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. Um, I don't believe in a flood. And, and so it's like, okay, you don't really have a structure of a belief system. That's right. You just have data points. And so you wonder why, when hard times come, why isn't my faith wall working? Because your faith wall is not even a wall. Right. It's just these separate, non-integrated stanchions of ideas Yep. That are not, you know, you haven't created what we like to say is a shield wall. Yep. I don't know if you guys are into Vikings movies and things like that. TV shows, Last Kingdom and all the uh, all that stuff. And uh, should I be emitting that on TV? No. Okay. She Scratch the last thing. <laughs> Wait, where's Brian when we need him? Oh, okay. Yeah, good. I just rewound it. If you make that noise. <laughs> yeah, it's rewound. You, you um, should do that for a living. You should yeah, make that side, noise. side effect, yeah, yeah. sound effect. You're good at that. So uh, shield walls, and they all integrated together and created the shield wall. And, it was and, called, a, what was it called? No, you going to say phalanx? Yeah, I was gonna say it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. It's that's called what it's called. Feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you want to you you make fun of that word. Well, that's because my husband was. Is that another episode? No, he was. Yeah, okay, yeah. we'll go. All right. Yeah. Um, so. Just kidding. If you're watching, Chris, but you taught me that word. So, so this we ha you got to have an integrated system of thought. Okay. So um, when we say that the wall represents the soul. I think we need to talk about what that means because when you hear soul, not everybody here is thinking the same thing. No. Uh, so in theology, there are two kind of views on this. Tell us. Yeah. Tell us the first one. So the first one is the trichotomy, okay. and by definition, tri being three. So some people, when they refer to soul or use that word, they immediately think body, mind, and spirit, three separate, but together one okay so, which yeah. is trichotomy yeah and, and it really talks like uh, how humans are made up yes that we are uh, and most of us think in the body mind and spirit that they are separate distinct things mm -hmm. you know we get that idea from when jesus says love the lord god with your whole heart mind soul and body i mean so this idea that we are a triune being in the image of a triune being yeah. Okay. It's nice. It's neat. I'm not saying it's correct, but but you're not saying it's incorrect. I'm not saying you? it's incorrect. I'm just saying it's kind of hard to figure. Yeah. Uh, there's another group that I tend to fall into, but um, uh, and that group is called the the dichotomy. You're right. So it kind of just instead of being three, there's two. There's the body, soul, and that mind, spirit part kind of gets meshed in with the soul. Right. To be called the soul. So there's just the body and the soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we don't really know where, uh, and, and David is notorious for this. I think Paul does it too. Are saying about I love the Lord with all my heart. Yeah. Uh, or. Uh, love the Lord with my spirit. Um, yeah. And they use the words interchangeable. 
So even though the words are used interchangeable, doesn't mean that they are distinctive, separate elements. They could be just the same word being used, the function of, like, like talking about an engine. Right. You know, you could talk a lot, a lot of different ways about an engine. But Some people could. I probably couldn't. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing real good about it right now either. But if we had Brian here, I he could tell us all about an engine. Pistons and something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, so the idea that soul involves your mind, it involves your spirit. And so that's what Nehemiah is going back to deal with, to repair. Mm-hmm. It's the way that, the way that we think. Um, yeah. that which constructs our, our faith mm-hmm. and what we believe. So, um, let's just talk a little bit about faith, belief. Yeah. I am, I am not a big faith guy. I'm just telling you right up front, that's part of my, Susan knows that, that I don't like the concept of faith. I know. It, it's really challenging to me. I know, hence why you didn't want Ben to pray for me in the restaurant. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, it's. Um, I like facts. I like um, uh, empirical data. Yes. And um, I also function real well in the area of reason. Very much so. Yeah, if I can rationalize something in my head, if, if there is a good reason, then I believe in something. Okay, but here's how faith and reason, because some people will diametrically oppose them. And I have found this, particularly having been born again in a Pentecostal persuasion. Yeah. Then in an assembly of God, I was really blessed at Northwoods that there was a lot of influence uh, to move out of the, we were part of the faith movement. Mm Mm-hmm. And everything was about claiming it and faith. Yeah. But I really felt like there was a lot of brain deadness going on. It was like, oh, wait a minute. You know, I remember being sick and having a runny nose and being told, don't wipe your nose because the moment you wipe your nose, you're affirming that you're sick. Therefore, you won't get healed. You don't believe because we prayed yeah. for you. And isn't that stupid? I Actually, mean, that explains so much, though. That helps me understand why your pushback on faith is. Because yeah. when you see it used in such a hyperbole or such an extreme, no wonder. You're like, no, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. Because and, and, that's extreme. Right, right. And and I think it's that a component of faith is is not talked about. And that's reason. Yes. Okay? Reason is the breadcrumbs leading you to a set of beliefs and values. Mm. Uh, faith is the resulting consistency with those belief and values. Yeah. So I don't just end up someplace because I believe. I've rationally ascertained the breadcrumbs that lead me to a conclusion about something. That conclusion is my faith. Yes. Then everything operates out of that conclusion. Right. For me. So it's like this. It's a great illustration. Is that this pair of scissors represents how I believe faith works. When you take a piece of paper and you begin to cut on it, what blade is actually doing the cutting? Okay. I, I, technically, both blades are, nothing is going to get cut. That's why we don't cut paper with a knife. Okay. Yeah. Well, you don't just flick it. I mean, you may be you able can to try, but it doesn't, in it, but it doesn't work well. So the upper blade holds it while the, young, the other blade Forces pushes it. and cuts. Both of them begin to work together. Um, See, I believe 
This is belief, the pin holding the two of them together and the working and the cutting together that faith and reason push on each other as companions to cut through unbelief. That's great. Okay? And so people say, well, I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. I just believe. And I'll be like, well, I know you sound more spiritual than me, but no, you're relying. You don't have a pair of scissors. No, you only can have a pair of scissors. If you don't have a pair, you don't have scissors. Isn't that interesting? Huh. You cannot call it a pair of scissors. Isn't that interesting with this pair of scissors and I don't have two scissors? It's yeah. like pairness is built into the concept of scissory. That's pretty good. Yeah. So good. faith and reason are... Um, paired together. They, paired have, together. To, they, they have, have to be, be together. Yeah. I, I say you don't have faith. I have You, you have conjecture. Right. You have fanaticism. Mm -hmm. You have hopefulness and wishfulness. But you don't have faith if reason is not one of the components in it. Yeah. They're always paired together. So... Um, that's why it's really important to work on the issues of apologetics. Why do you believe what you believe? Right. So, um, Nehemiah represents the work of God to restore down this broken structure. And apologetics is that reconstruction. So, um, so let's jump back into Nehemiah. Okay. Um, the walls are torched. They're broken down. There's major gaps, um, in the wall. Mm -hmm. So, basically, if you have major gaps, what's the result? I mean, it's going to collapse every right. time. Yes. Yeah. And so, it's kind of like, I don't want to sound like existential here, but at what point, let's say we have a wooden chair here. Yeah. Okay? And I start breaking it up with an axe. Okay? Then I end up with a pile of about maybe 100 pieces. At what point would you say... And point when somebody comes into the room and say, oh, that's a pile of wood. How long would you hold on to the concept, oh, that's a chair? Right. There's a point where the, the wood and the chair, they lose their chairness. Mm -hmm. And they, it doesn't sound, yeah, you could smoke something with this. Let me just tell you what. <laughs> He's but, enjoying this. But, but really, no, it, uh, there were major flats, Immanuel Kant, uh, Thomas Aquinas. I mean, they sat around and, and did this stuff. So there's a point when, that's not a chair, that's a pile of wood. It's kindling, yeah. you know. Um, there's a point when there's enough gaps in a wall where, don't fool yourself, it's not a wall. Right. There's a point when there's enough gaps in a belief system that don't fool yourself. It's not a belief system. Right. It's just data points. And don't be surprised if your faith collapses when the enemy comes against it or adversity or difficulty in the world. It's like, what happened to my faith? Well, you didn't have a wall. Right. You just had non-integrated, discontiguous ideas. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's so important to produce this noetic structure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or some would call it a worldview. Right. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So um, uh, there can be gaps in a belief system that render it your faith inoperative and nullified. Have you ever had this happen in your I life? Have. Can you yeah. can you think of a, I mean that you can share that doesn't involve an old boyfriend or something like that? That uh, <laughs> I don't have any of those. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, I think probably one of the first times my faith was really challenged was, and I go, most of you probably know, my husband and I um, 
years ago lost a child. And I think uh, going through that experience, because we believed if we had, you know, believe and faith that we would, she would be healed and she was not healed in the way we wanted her healed. And I remember the weeks and months following that really questioning God and questioning my faith and not understanding fully um, because I only had different parts and pieces of ideas about healing and God's sovereignty. I didn't know what that really meant. And then after some time of actually coming and talking to you, I don't know if you remember this, but Chris and I met when your office was a cubicle over here. Do you remember when your office, if you were any of you guys here when the Liz knows, yeah, it used to be a cubicle over here. So there was no privacy. So if you need to have a counseling appointment with Pastor Paul in those days, everybody heard it. <laughs> but I remember sitting in your office and you taking me to a verse about uh, John and saying, saying, you know, how Jesus referred to John, because John the Baptist was about to be killed, and you and he was like, hey, I need to know, go find out if Jesus is really the one, right. and you pointed me to that, and that has resonated with me every since, and so being able to have a firm foundation in that and understanding the truth of that and recognizing, because I was like, hey, Jesus, are you real here? Because this really stinks. And it didn't work out so well for John the Baptist either, right? Right, right. But that was such a, a salve to my soul in that, that from then on, I have had a much stronger, robust noetic structure and faith system, especially when it comes to healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was, a, it was a crisis for me, but coming and seeking truth and seeking wisdom made a big difference. Yeah, and it seems like crises seem to do that, don't they? Yeah. I mean, you one, you don't get to pick them. And then they, they tend to hit the wall and begin to tear it down. And, and mm-hmm. for a lot of us, we don't survive that deconstruction. Right. Um, if you can't see it as a challenge to reconstruct, to, almost like to unlearn God, to learn of God rightly. Right. I mean, because there might have been a bad part of the wall. Right. If I remember the pastor that discipled me, Fred, um, he... Uh, his daughter died at the age of 12 from, mm. I think it was melanoma. But I remember he was brought, he would bring her to all the faith healers, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, all the Kenneths that were out there and and uh, to try to get that. And they would always tell him that if she dies, it's because you lack faith. Yeah. And, um, and it's like, wow. Uh, and, That's not true, by the way. No. And <laughs> uh, he, uh, but that kind of destroyed or tore down an improper way of thinking about, at least for him. Right. He was like, okay, no, uh, suffering is part of our worldview. It is part of our belief system. Mm -hmm. It is, our hope is in heaven. It's not on earth. And so, um, but a lot of people don't survive those. Right. Usually the wall comes down. Whatever the crisis didn't tear down, they in their anger or resentment or disappointment tear down the rest of the wall. Oh yeah, I I saw myself going there too and just being angry and wanting to lash out and just be angry all the time. And that's when I realized, okay, this isn't right and I don't like this um, and I don't like it so much that I need help with it. And that's when we reached out to you and just said, hey, 
you got to help us. We can't get through this. Yeah, I, um, I personally have gone through this. Interestingly enough, it, it wasn't my divorce that did that for me. Um, for me, and Susan remembers this, there was like a five-year period where I really doubted the existence of God mm-hmm. while I was the pastor of Crosstown. Um, and I had real, it, it's when string theory, M theory, or the idea of multiverse was real big that we weren't the only universe. And so since there were millions of other universes, then the fact that we evolved, you know, or popped up on the planet, it was just a random, that it was just chance. And it was, we were eventually going to happen somewhere in some universe. Right. Um, I had problems with evolution about how do we have all this data about an old earth had this idea about evolving similarities among species. How did we come on? You know, and I believe in this book that says that God reaches into the ground and makes us like, you know. Forms us out of the dust, dust of the earth, yeah. I think it says. I, yeah, I had real problems with that. and um, <laughs> You're not very artsy and flowery in that way, are you? Not, well, no, I'm very artsy and flowery is that I'm not very literalist on that story any longer. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do believe that there's there's more art than yeah. than. Uh, methodology mm-hmm. in that story, uh, though, but it's still 100% true. And then I had a problem with the reliability of the Gospels. If there's any books in the Bible that are brought into question of whether or not they're true or accurate or not, it is the Gospels. Mm-hmm. All right, The writings of Paul are pretty much left alone. Nobody wants to mess with those. Even atheists don't want to mess with those. They're pretty solid. We, we yeah. feel pretty good that we got the right books. But when it comes to the Gospels, and because there's four of them making these accounts of Jesus, and some of the accounts have what's called an apparent contradiction, and that's... Yeah. It looks like a contradiction. Uh, like, for instance, um, an apparent contradiction would be one of the Gospels talks about Jesus being crucified up on a hill, mm-hmm. but doesn't make any reference to two other people. Yeah. Uh, or if you read one account where the two other thieves are there, in one Gospel it says that they were railing accusations against Jesus, the guys on the cross were. Only in one Gospel do we actually hear of the conversation that one of those thieves has in Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So a lot of critics will look at those three different kind of presentations of the same story and show that they are, those are contradictions. Mm -hmm. They can't all be right. But yet they all can be right. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times I, I looked into the gospels and it really, really kind of caused me trouble. Yeah. Um, and I faced rational challenges to my belief. And I just couldn't accept the idea that I was supposed to shut up and believe. Right. And don't believe that from anybody. If anybody just tells you to shut up and believe, yeah. that's bogus. That's right. Because we know the word of God can stand against it. So don't be afraid of your doubts. Don't be afraid right. of the questions. Come talk to him if you struggle with those questions because you've been through it and you know God's word can stand against it. There's no scientific evidence that will be revealed that now is unsettling or fearful to you. Right, right. I also understand the difference between a scientific discovery and the bias interpreting the discovery. Yeah. Is that there's a lot more bias in in interpretation of science than we may realize. But uh, I began to respond to those challenges because I was listening to all the atheists. The, yeah. the big guys, uh, Christopher Hitchens, um, Dawkins. Uh, Dawkins, yeah, I was listening, yeah. they called them the four, uh, Horsemen. Horsemen of the Apocalypse, yep. Sam, um, I forget what Sam's uh-huh. last name is, uh, uh, but, so I was listening to all their arguments against Christianity, and some of these arguments were pretty good, Yeah, and it was like, dang, 
how do we reconcile that? So I began to logically and consistently try to address the gaps in what I believed. Yeah. You know, and to see if, could they be reconciled? Could they be filled? And one by one, I took each each gap and the wall system began to function again. Mm-hmm. You know, remember those days though? I was sitting in the backyard smoking cigars, drinking whiskey like a... Like a sailor. I mean, I was just hanging up and, and contemplating the universe. And it's like, yeah. how can I reconcile God with scientific discoveries or yeah. the historicity of the um, Gospels? But I didn't just stay there. I went and looked for the answers to see if the answers were good enough. That's right. Cause, because you wanted answers. Yeah. You didn't just want to stay there. No, know? no. And I, there was, I was unnerved. I was scared. What if I find out? opposite than what I believe. Yeah. How will I deal with if I find out that, no, it's not really true or all the evidence points in a different direction. Mm. So uh, I love what God says. And I think it's in Isaiah, your favorite book. Come let us reason together. Yeah. That God doesn't say, just shut up and believe. He says, come on, we can talk this over. We can. Absolutely. That faith, you say, well, God's beyond reason. No, he's not. Mm -hmm. God is super rational, but he's not irrational. That's a huge point. Oh, I yeah. That's huge. I think there's a big difference. He. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, believing in God is not irrational. No. Um, and God's not irrational. He's just super rational. He just sees all aspects of, of the evidence. Yes. We just don't see it all. That's right. So, um, so one of the first things that uh, we need to do, and I love Nehemiah did it. Why don't you read to us out of Nehemiah 2.11 about... What Nehemiah does, it should be in your notes there. It's not. It's not? You sure? Uh, I sent you the wrong copy? It's okay. Did, I, I'll, I'll did pull you open it up, up the last copy I gave you? I did. I opened up the most recent copy okay. you gave me. That's Inspecting okay. our belief system. I, I got you right down. here. Nehemiah, so, what, what, what am I reading? Uh, you're reading me in <laughs> Nehemiah 2.11? Okay, hold on, you guys. I'm, I'm getting there. It's my fault. Um, Nehemiah, Nehemiah. That's in the, yeah. Hold it's on. all my phone. Here, just let me see yours. Can okay, I just I see yours? <laughs> I can't find it. Let me just yeah, see Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, can you set that up for me again? So this is... <laughs> wait, do the rewind thing one more time. Okay. Out of Nehemiah 2, 11 yeah. through 15. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days, and I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem, and there was no animal with me except the animal on which I was riding. So I went out at night by the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well and onto the refuse gate, inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, which were consumed by fire. Then I passed on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was no place for my mount to pass. So I went up at night by the ravine and inspected the wall. Wow. Okay. So here's, here's a really important thing is, is that we need to inspect our belief system Yeah. with the work of the Holy Spirit, but we need to, it, there's nothing wrong with inspecting. When Thomas tells the disciples, unless I put my fingers in the holes in his hands and my hand in his side, we tend to label him as doubting Thomas. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you, every one of those guys would have asked for the same evidence if they had not been in the room. Oh, yeah. But in Christian circles, we tend to villainize or, or kind of uh, reduce his you know, faith level yeah. because he asked for proof. Yeah. What does Jesus do when he walks in the room? 
What's the first thing? He shows Thomas. Yeah, he doesn't he goes, even... He doesn't rebuke him for no, it. No, he doesn't. He doesn't say, you, you know, after all this time, Thomas, right. you should have expected that I would rise from the dead. I mean, yeah. they heard him, but come on. Yeah. You know, um, so Thomas just asked the questions that everybody was thinking that wasn't in the room. That's right. So there's, I think it's really healthy for us to inspect our belief system. Mm -hmm. Why, why do we believe what we believe? Is it fully integrated? Are there any gaps in it that we are allowing? Because it will be there that the enemy will begin to infiltrate. That's okay. where you'll be doing fine. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe uh, something that you think about, uh, well, all people should get healed. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, a loved one doesn't get healed. And it's like, oh, that was a gap. That's right. Uh, you, you, you had you know, you didn't realize that that was an area you really hadn't walked out through the word of God. That's right. You know? And he um, just says that I will comfort you. You know, that yeah. it's not that all people are going to get healed here on this side. On of, this planet. Right. That's right. Right. But I, yeah, it was something that needed to, that gap was exposed. So Nehemiah does this work, but just know this, there's also going to be challenges to this work of constructing this belief system. Um, Tobias and Sam Ballot are going to be these individuals that are constantly pestering Nehemiah, trying to get the work done. And so I kind of said that they represent the internal and external pestering of our faith. Mm. Uh, do you ever have internal yeah. pestering? Yeah, about I do. what you believe in God. I mean, yeah, I do. I so some of my beliefs I think are solid, but some of them I have this just this. Do I really believe that? Like, do I really believe that um, I am His workmanship? That I am a piece of art? I mean, Ephesians two ten says that that's what we are. Mm -hmm. But do I really believe that? Right. You know, and how do I believe that? And do I believe that he's actually talking to me in that? There's just that. For me, anyway, it seems to be more um, emotional oh, okay. than it is the necessarily the faith things. Because unlike you, faith tends to come more natural to me. Um, but I do have some of that pestering, but it is more of an internal dialogue about what God says about me through his word. Right. I'm, I believe what God says about himself. Right. But yeah, that's all part of the noetic structure. When I right. mess up, I go, my noetic structure says that I'm a new creation in Christ and old things. He's yeah. faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. That's attached to the same web that is attached to the creation story, that's attached to the resurrection story, that's attached to, you yeah. know, my belief in heaven. They're all interconnected together. They all vibrate. Yes. Um, and so... Um, so I, I believe that there's these internal and external voices. And sometimes I'll, I'll hear them. They'll mm -hmm. speak to me like um, I'll all of a sudden see a creature has been archaeologically exhumed. And I'll look and it's like, wow, that sure looks like a, a human being's hand to me. <laughs> it's like, what? That was on a dinosaur? It's like, what? That looks freaky. Yeah. You know, and, and so sometimes things will be brought out. And I'll be like, oh, my goodness. And it will begin to speak. See? See? Or let, let's say, what would you do if aliens showed up? Mm. If all of a sudden a group of beings came down from a desert, another planet and landed here? Well, for a lot of people, their noetic structure would be rocked. Yeah. Uh, if they especially didn't have an integrated one. But in my noetic structure, there's room for aliens to visit the earth, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I don't know what they are, right? But I, nowhere in my noetic structure did did it say that we were the only people 
that God loved, the only creatures. And when Jesus said, I have sheep that you know not of, was he referring to the Greeks or was he referring to the folks from Alpha Centauri? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, but I'm not going to be surprised when all of a sudden a bunch of sheep walk in that I don't recognize, you know? <laughs> be like, hey, man. <laughs> but so people... People, but people will go into shock and be blown away yeah. because it's like, well, I, my, no, I, I thought we were the most, we were the center of the universe. I thought the, the sun went around us and I thought the earth was flat. And it's like, no, no, you didn't get that from the scriptures. Right. So yeah. um, they begin to challenge. Listen, let me just read it. Okay, uh, yeah, thanks. Since my notes ended. Um, so when Sam Tobiah, the Arabs and the the Ammonites and the Astodites, I'm glad you're reading that heard one. that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. Mm -hmm. And all of them conspired together to come against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. Just know this. Nobody likes you getting a sure foundation in Christ. Yeah. Okay? They got angry. You know, they weren't like, hey, let's celebrate diversity. You guys believe in Yahweh. That's awesome. Put your lives back together. It's like, no, we don't want you believing in Yahweh. So if you're waiting for your culture to <laughs> affirm your God belief. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. And not because they don't have scientific information. It's just because they just don't like it. Right. You know, because your belief will make, will say something about their unbelief. Right. And then we have to cancel you. So cancel culture is nothing new that yeah. happened here. Um, also, um, when they were rebuilding it, they sent messages to Nehemiah. And they, they, this is what they said. They said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going, this is how they talk. Um, are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish it in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burnt ones? Um, and then one of the funny ones, Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and said to him, even what they are building of a fox should jump on it. He would break their stone wall down. Hmm. And it was like, so don't be surprised just because people make fun of you because you guys decided to stop your lunch and pray for somebody in, in need. Okay? If you're waiting on, after we said amen at the next crowd, everybody's going to be, oh man, we love seeing faith. We love seeing belief in God. We love people who believe in the super. And it's like, no, they're, they're just going to make up crap. <laughs> clever arguments. And that's yeah. all they are. They're just clever and the interesting thing is they're disintegrated arguments. Oh, yeah. They'll pot shot here, here, and here. But they can't put together a worldview. Right. You know? Um, another point that I would make about this, and I've learned this personally, is don't let an, an already answered doubt distract you again. Mm, that's a good point, yeah. too. Yeah. Because it will come back, I think, from yeah. time to time. Yeah. So sometimes I will think about the multiverse idea. And it's like, or maybe it's like, hmm, that gospel was really funny. And the other gospel, it it says there was a thatch roof, and that one says it was a clay roof. And it's like, hmm. And and it's like, well, maybe it's not all, you know, yeah. it's not authoritative or, or reliable. Yeah, yeah. And so, so once I process an inf an answer, I tend to not be troubled by that question anymore. Yeah. I tell myself. 
Like, I don't care if the universe or if the earth is 8 billion years old. I'm going to tell you, it probably is 8 billion years old. There is nowhere in the Bible that I was told that I had to believe that the earth was created in seven 24-hour days. It never uses uh, 24 no. hours nope. as, a, as a day in the book of Genesis. So, no. And it usually starts with night and then it was morning or yeah. night or something. And also it's, it's, it's like very backwards. The sun doesn't get in, get invented until like the fourth day or third yeah. day. So how long were the first two days? Right, who knows? So, um, but I don't revisit that. I don't care if it's a billion years. People say, well, what about evolution? Well, I don't believe in Darwinism, which means... I don't think many people do anymore, do they? No, they it's admit? on the ropes. It is really it? is on the ropes. Yeah. Uh, Neo-Darwinists are coming up with some new answers, but mm. uh, sort of speculations as opposed to answers. But um, now I realize that evolution, the process by which God ends up with us, I don't care how we did it. Yeah. He wanted us. He was very intentional about that. So we ended up there. Um, so avoid getting stuck in questions that constantly you come back to it. Yeah. Once you get a question... Uh, answered, just allow it to remain answered. That's good. Um, the other thing, too, and I know we're kind of rifling through this because we're running out of time. I didn't think we would see. I told come you. up with an hour's worth of material out I, of this. I know. But it's good tough. And I only had half the material, so if I'd seen it all, I would have definitely... Oh, yeah, seen. we'd be going for at least another hour. <laughs> at least. So, so, Nehemiah challenges everyone to build the wall at their home. See, okay. that's another good point. You got to stop and let that settle in. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. So build at your home because I don't want to. I'd rather go build at your house because right. I can leave your house. Yeah. Or you want Pastor Paul to and go the youth pastor to build your home. Yes. And it's like no, it's Nehemiah. What the the houses? A lot of them were built into the walls. Mm -hmm. And so Nehemiah went around and said, "Listen, each of you have got to take responsibility for reconstructing your own faith." Yeah. That your pastor can't do it, you know, uh, the podcast ain't going to do it. No. But you have got to be involved in this reconstruction. And so uh, they took personal responsibilities for their thoughts and for their noetic structure. Yeah. So that's why when somebody asks me a difficult question, like scientific question, I will ask them, listen, um, like for instance, somebody will ask me about gender. Yeah. And I've got this really cool elaborate answer on gender, objective, subjective language, oh, yeah. the metaphor of gender, and all this other stuff. But I will ask them, before I get into all this, will it have any impact on your worldview? Uh, uh, and if they say no, I'm like, listen, I ain't got time for this. Because right. that's just called vain speculation. Yep. That's You just want me to you know, you're just going to then say, you know, take me over to this gap. And that's then it's right. like, if you're not looking at building a faith... Right. Or deconstructing a false one, then I'm not interested in just giving you data points. That's right. So that you can Google it and then try to come back to me with another question. Uh, every one of us, uh, and I love what it says, and in, in, uh, I came up with this clever little phrase here. It says, a mind that works produces a mind to work. Mm. Whoa, death quote. What? You guys do Twitter? Can Brian, you can you make out? us a shirt? Can, you, can we get, a, can we get yeah. that? A hashtag? Get, that's a shirt right there. A mind that works or a mind that works properly produces a, a mind, mind to work, to work. properly. Mm. And so it says in Nehemiah 4, 6, So we built the wall and the whole wall was joined together to its uh, to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Wow. Okay? You can't do... Um, 
you can't do the work of God until you have the mind yeah. that works. Right. The works of God. Okay, so that's why it's really important to put together what, you know. That's why scripture talks to us about controlling those thoughts in our mind and taking them captive and that we do have the mind of Christ, but we have to have it based on God's word and yeah. know that because otherwise I'm just putting different things together and it's not the, the way it's going to hold up. Right, right. And, and so let me just say, the reason why I have such a, a great marriage is that I had one marriage go bad. And I have I take full ownership for that, um, but uh, the second time around is it was like I'm going to be true to my noetic structure, or maybe my noetic structure was better developed. Yeah. And so uh, when me and Susan started dating, well, there were some basic things I needed to know about her. I needed to know what she believed. I needed to know not did she just believe in God, but did she have a noetic structure? Right. And part of that noetic structure, and I don't mean to rock your world on this, but was, uh, well, if you really have a genuine uh, noetic structure, then we're not going to sleep together before we get married. Now, we were both in our 30s, right? Relatively around that. You don't tell uh, that. You just say we were older. We, older we, than we, yeah, And we all had, a, we, we had our own apartments. Yeah, I know yeah. you're right. Yeah, well, yeah, that didn't, it didn't, yeah. didn't sound any Because right now, 30 sounds just about right. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. we, we, uh, we, uh, we both had our own apartments. So we could have easily have just slept. I could have slept over her place. She could have slept over my place and all this other stuff. And it's like, well, why didn't you do it? Didn't you find her you know, pretty and her attractive? And it's like, yes. But noetic structure said, and I already had one bad marriage. Yeah. And it's like, well, if, if I'm going to hope for something better than 80%, averages to you know on a second marriage end up in divorce then i needed to think differently right and so i just went into my faith structure and it's like well it's very clear how i should be conducting myself towards her and her towards me yeah and it's like that was you know as part of well but we love each other so much well that's fine my right. noetic structure governs who i love and how i love them yeah. You know? And it resulted in, how long have y'all been married? Uh, when, oh, 10 years longer than us, I think. So, yeah, yeah 33 years. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I mean, and it's worth it. It was worth making that choice for the noetic structure then. And you see the benefit of oh, yeah. it now. Yeah. I mean, because I am sure in the dating process, there was part of you that was like, oh, I don't really like this. Oh, this no, doesn't believe me. feel yeah. good. I don't enjoy this. Oh, this yeah. is not what I want. We remember that. Was it called Station 21? On Isle of Palms. Hey, 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 hey. Little makeout section. Session. No, no, this is a clean show. That no, no, it was clean. We kept it clean, but it but Yeah, Don Dan Fogelberg's song, How Do We Make Love Stay? Anybody yeah. Yeah, that was a long kiss. Let me just say it. So it wasn't that we didn't have the um, that's what I'm saying. It's not desires. that you just were like, oh, well, okay, I'm not going right, to... No, no you still our, did, and you our, had to suppress it because your noetic structure was solid. And so... You, no, we only suppressed it because of our noetic structure. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It, something had to be greater than the 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 uh, other impulses. There so, you go. Um, so we're out of time. Yes. Um, that's what happens when you invite me on. No, this is good. <laughs> this is good. Uh, the... Women's Conference is going to take this even deeper? Yeah. I don't know if they'll do as good as a job. I mean, she's I good. I mean, I don't What's know. What's her name again? Elisa. Elisa. There you go. Child Childers. 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 No, no. She really is phenomenal. I've been listening to some of her podcasts. She's spot on. Um, 
So please, I encourage you, if you have not gotten a ticket, you can yeah. just contact SOAR yep. at CrosstownChurch.com. Absolutely. If you're a woman. If you're a I mean, you can come if you're a man, but I'm just going to tell you how yourself. many throw pillows are on those couches over there. Yeah, yeah like, there's way too many throw pillows. There's just a lot of um, yeah, feminine a lot of, elements. There's yeah, a lot there's of blush and flowers. and A lot of gold and fuchsia in the building. Yeah. So um, We yeah. love throw pillows. So yeah, We'll have it all purged by Sunday, though. Don't worry. Uh, no. Yes, we will. <laughs> uh, why don't you close this in prayer? All right, I can do that. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for um, just the joy that we have in studying your word and learning more about you, Father, and the world that you've created. Thank you that um, we do have the mind of Christ and that we um, can think these things through, Father. Thank you for reminding us tonight that we don't have to just... Um, take it and not think much about it, but that we can be intentional in our thought process about you and the world that you created and that we don't have to fear questions or doubt, but that we can bring them to you and that your word, your truth, your character and your nature holds up against any doubt or concern that we have. And we just thank you for that. We thank you that you invite us to come and reason with you and that you are a good and loving God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you everyone for joining us and we hope you have a great night. Yeah.